Another episode of NFL Friday, Super Bowl edition. It's big time, time for the big game. Jackson Heil, Jimmy Sullivan here with you. We're about 48 hours as we record this from kickoff of Chiefs and Bucks in the Super Bowl. Jimbo, how are we feeling? It's been a while, I feel like, since I've talked to you on the air, but uh, not a better time to do it than now, right, brother? I think the last time we talked on the air was uh, back in the golden days when the Jets were 0-4, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> oh, those are not Back in the good old the days. Glory days. Yeah, I mean, man, I, I remember – trying to remember exactly what mo- – I think it was right after Le'Veon Bell got cut yes. that we were – the last time we talked on this show, which was – Something and a lot has changed since then. I mean, the Jets have a whole new coaching staff. Who knows where they're going to go at quarterback? But again, different conversation for a different day because, oh, yeah, we do have to talk about the Super Bowl and what is to come on Sunday. One of the probably biggest Super Bowls in recent memory in terms of storylines because, listen, it is in the pandemic era. I'm going to call it, um, I'm going to call that. I'm going to call sports the pandemic era really until we get full capacity fans back. But first Super Bowl since this pandemic has struck, it's Brady and Mahomes, obviously, which is the big one. Um, Mahomes looking for his second Super Bowl ring in a row and would be the second in his first four seasons. Second if you in his first three seasons if you consider his rookie season where he didn't play at all. Um, and then Brady's Brady, Super Bowl number 10, for Tom looking for his seventh Super Bowl, which would be quite an impressive feat. I mean, he's already in a category of his own, but um, a seventh Super Bowl would just even further supplant that. But Jimmy, I, I'm just going to ask a pretty broad question here before we get started. How are you feeling about this Super Bowl just about two days before kickoff? Because I'm not going to lie, my my range of feeling toward this game has been pretty consistent for about – a week and a half. And now I don't really know how to feel going into this one, but where's your head at right now? It's really interesting. I think you hit on most of the storylines that everyone's going to latch onto, right? It's Mahomes versus Brady, Jedi master versus Padawan, if you will. Um, And you have, I would say the greatest storyline Super Bowl ever, because when you, Look at this from 30,000 feet. Tom Brady was the dynasty quarterback in the NFL for 20 years. Patrick Mahomes is trying to become that. The Chiefs are trying to become what the Patriots had first in the early 2000s and then in the mid to late 2010s. And there's so many you know, fascinating storylines here. Bruce Arians is going for his first Super Bowl, which is, I think, an underrated aspect of this as well. You've got the home field, which we'll get into later. There's a lot of storylines. Um, I- I'm, I'm looking forward to it, honestly. You know, I-, I looked at the championship games, and I can't lie, I was kind of pulling for Rodgers Mahomes because it felt like this was maybe our only chance to get that in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Packers fumbled the bag on that one big time. And after they kicked that field goal with two minutes to go in the NFC Championship game, I said, you know what? Good. I'm happy the Buccaneers won, to be totally honest with you. Um, But I think this is such a fascinating matchup. I will say, though, it is not 
peak Patrick Mahomes versus peak Tom Brady. It's not that. Tom Brady is not what he was even five years ago as a quarterback. Uh, I think we saw that in the second half against Green Bay. Um, It it is not, you know, Battle of the Titans in that sense. That being Mm. said, I think it's fantastic. I also think Tom Brady wins this game, probably shuts the door for good on the greatest of all time discussion. I I don't know if anybody else can get there. Yeah, I heard Tony Romo say that the other day. I think he's probably right. He wins this game, and and if he does not do so in the way that, say, Peyton Manning did in his last Super Bowl with the Broncos, if he wins this game and has a role in doing so, yeah, I I think you pretty much have to say that. See, that's an interesting discussion to me because I think right now you look to date at what the Bucs have done to get to where they are right now. I don't think you look at the game against New Orleans, the game against Green Bay. You don't look at that those games and say, Brady really had a role here. Maybe against New Orleans a little bit because they were perfect in the red zone. He made some big plays. But to me, the defense has been entirely, almost entirely responsible for what has happened. And listen, like you can't take away all the credit from Brady. I'm not doing that because, listen, I am the first person to admit that I hate Tom Brady. As a Jets fan, someone who's grown up watching Brady just demoralize me from a fan's perspective, I don't like Tom Brady. With that said, I always respected Tom Brady for what he was able to do with New England because you watched him and you said, okay, he went out and won those games. Like, he flat out beat us. There wasn't a ton of situations. Now, there are in his career where – the defense has won him Super Bowls. Like, I mean, the one against the Rams the second time around was clearly a product of what Bill Belichick and the Pats were able to do defensively. There are games in the past, plenty of them, where you can look at it and say, all right, the defense won Super Bowls. But for the most part, going up against Tom Brady's a Jets fan, you were able to pretty much acknowledge that, all right, this guy's great. And he still is. Like, the fact that he's able to do what he's able to do at the age of 43 is remarkable. With that said, with what he's at right now, I can't say he's played much of a role in what the Bucs have done, which makes me question, I don't think we can really take anything away from Brady's legacy at all from this Super Bowl run because I think personally, one, you look at this Bucs team and I think this might be the most talented team Brady's ever been a part of. And that's saying a lot with what he's been in New England. I mean, from a defensive perspective, they are loaded at all positions. They have two of the best edge rushers in the game, and Shaq Barrett and JPP. You look at offensively, I mean, they have – you could argue they have three or four Hall of Fame weapons right now in Gronk, Antonio Brown. Mike Evans might get there someday with the way he's played. There's so many weapons on this roster, and the offensive line has been terrific in the postseason in pass protection and in the run game. So I don't know if I can shut the door – on greatness, even if the Bucks win. I, now, I don't think they're going to win, personally, and we'll get to that and the many reasons why I think that going forward. But I think we also have to remember here, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is 25 years old, and he hasn't even really kicked into probably the best we're going to see of Patrick Mahomes. And listen, there's a lot of time to go for that, and things can happen. But, I mean, Mahomes is going to have two Super Bowl appearances by the age of 25, He'll for sure have a Super Bowl ring, and the other one will be an AFC Championship loss in overtime. I'm not shutting out Patrick Mahomes even if he loses this because I think even if he does lose to Brady right now, I can still realistically seeing him get to six or seven 
Super Bowls and winning six or seven Super Bowls along the way. And listen, I understand the argument from that, but combine the defensive aspect of this from Tampa Bay's perspective to the fact that I think Mahomes can also accomplish a lot over the next 10 to 15 years, assuming he stays healthy. I, I, I don't think this really, this Super Bowl does much from a legacy perspective other than just creates chatter. I will say that I have always reserved the right to come back 15 years from now and revoke everything I just said. So I just <laughs> want to put that out there. I will say this. I, I You're saying Tom Brady hasn't played much of a role. I, my counter to this would be you watch the Green Bay game, right? First half, he was terrific. Obviously, the second half, he was not. I, I don't even know if he knew where the ball was going on some of those throws. Mm-hmm. But he makes the play at the end of the first half to – Scotty Miller, he was generally tremendous, I thought, uh, in that, you know, just in the first half again. And I'm not saying, you know, Mm -hmm. he's as good, and he's definitely not as consistent because there's some days and there's some drives where you look at it and you just go, yeah, no, it's not there. Um, That's going to be the case at 43 years old. But I think with the longevity that he's shown, and I think part of it too, if we're being honest, like he's brought a winning culture, as crazy as that sounds, with one guy. Like that team knows how to win now, um, mm-hmm. partially because he's there. And yeah, there's a ton of talent. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, you know, Cameron Brait is your second or third tight end. You'll take that. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit because they have a different mindset than I think they did last year or the year before or whatever else, just because He's there and it's different coming from him where he can say, these are the things that I did and this is how you go out and win consistently. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think that's part of the role he played, right? You look at a guy like Joe Montana goes to the Kansas city chiefs at the end of his career. They were in the playoffs. They were contending for AFC titles kind of because he was there and Marcus Allen was there and they had guys who knew how to win. And I know that sounds elementary, but there's, I think a lot to be said for that. Um, So I think Tom Brady deserves credit for that. And, you know, I thought he had all told a really, really good year. I didn't think he would be this good in year one. And we also have to remember this. There was no preseason for him to get acclimated. There was not the usual training camp and there were restrictions on workouts and what they could do over the summer. So they were really using those first few games as kind of trial balloons to figure out what worked, what didn't. They were throwing it downfield way too much. And, you know, they still maybe throw it downfield more than Tom Brady should be throwing it downfield at 43 years Mm -hmm. old. But Bruce Arians has kind of met him in the middle on that. Um, And I think they are a much, much better operation now than they were early in the season. We were talking about them early in the season thinking, I mean, this is maybe barely a playoff team. They might get bounced round one, but here they are and they're much more cohesive and they've just played together. And by the end of the year, you're looking at them and you're saying, wow, this is a force to be reckoned with as they get into the playoffs. I think what's interesting, and you brought up a great point um, about the adjustment that Bruce Arians made mid season, because I think you really look to the turning point of their season there's a few points you can look to. I I think the loss to new Orleans kind of changed some things for them. And that really rattled the room a little bit. And they still went on to lose two of their next three games, but 
the loss to Kansas City at home, um, where they've really got off to a slow start, and it, it's interesting because the Bucks haven't lost a game since then. I mean, they went on to run the table the rest of the season and go 3-0 in the postseason and route to another Super Bowl appearance. But their season changed really after that Kansas City game because you looked at some of the decisions that Brady was making. Um, and part of this goes on Bruce Arians, too, because of the play calling. And I love Bruce Arians. I think he's an awesome coach. I think his willingness to take chances with whoever his quarterback is. I mean, he's gone from one-year Jameis Winston, which was the probably the most turnover-prone quarterback in the NFL, to Tom Brady, who is probably the best quarterback of all time when it's all said and done. I mean, and listen, I'm not going to get into that argument right now because I can go a lot of different directions there. But Bruce Arians has proven he can win with pretty much anyone. And listen, he hasn't won the Super Bowl yet. This is his first Super Bowl appearance. But, like, he's done things with Jameis Winston, Carson Palmer, Tom Brady. Like, the list goes on and on with the amount of guys that he's been able to be productive with on the offensive side of the football. And he went a little bit away from his philosophy after that Kansas City loss. And then they started really scoring points. I mean, you look at this stretch from week 15 on. 31 points, 47 against Detroit, 44 against Atlanta. And then they're over 30 in each of their three playoff games. And listen, some of that has come from the defense, but it's pretty remarkable. The adjustments that them, they together have come to do. And a lot of that I think goes to the humility of both of them, because listen, they got blown out against new Orleans at home on Sunday night, a game that I was actually going to go to because I was in Tampa that weekend and was thinking about buying tickets, but didn't, thankfully didn't, because that game was a massacre in itself. But then you lose at home to the Rams on Monday night where Brady throws the ball 48 times, and then you lose to Kansas City where you're down early in that one. And since then, they have looked really good. And listen, a lot of it goes on the defense, but to have two guys in Tom Brady and Bruce Arians who both have big egos, there's no question that, to have those heads come together and figure this out, deserves more credit than it's getting because it's not something I thought was going to be possible after, especially after that loss to Kansas city, because they looked like they were really reeling at that point. And Brady was in some type of running through seven picks in a span of four games, but uh, the credit to the both of them for figuring it out. And in addition to what the Bucks defense has been able to do, they had themselves in a position to win yet another Super Bowl. It's funny too, because when you go back to that game and you look at the first quarter of that game and, Carlton Davis gets eaten for dinner by Tyreek Hill on a couple of occasions and they're down 17, nothing Brady played a pretty good second half. They lost that game by three and they left some points on the table. There was a couple turnovers in Kansas city territory. Like they very well had their chances to win that game. Uh, and, and since then, you know, I, I don't remember if I said this on NFL Friday or one-on-one or if I just didn't tell anybody at all and I internalized it, but I thought it was really about, 75 to 80% Bruce Arians' fault for this. And I know part of it is Tom Brady. You know, I remember week one, there was a throw that was a total miscommunication and it went right to the New Orleans safety. Like, that's obviously on Tom Brady. But, you know, they were running a lot of downfield stuff that Tom Brady is not used to. The only year that Tom Brady really made something like that work was 2007. And he had Randy Moss and Wes Welker that year. And I think a lot of quarterbacks would be throwing it downfield under those types of circumstances, but credit to Tampa Bay 
credit to Bruce Arians. And, and offensively, to be honest, I think there's still things they could be doing better, right? They don't run the ball a lot. When they do, they don't really run the ball very well. Um, so th- it's not a perfect offense by any means. You know, if you look at their playoff games, honestly, aside from probably Washington, it's been a lot about their defense and how well they've played and the turnovers they've generated and then what they've been able to do off of those turnovers, especially the New Orleans game, as you referenced. So a lot of credit all around to uh, Tampa Bay. But now you go into the Super Bowl, you've got this Chiefs team, and you have a little bit of the problem of how do you stop them? offensively and the Bucks learned a lot of hard lessons from that week 12 game that I think are going to help them actually on Sunday mm-hmm. but they cannot have what happened in the first half of that game happen again because that was an abomination defensively what Tyree Kill was doing to them in the first quarter really the whole game but especially the first half so it'll be interesting to see how they match up there but I think that week 12 game, even though this team is totally different and I think a lot better right now, is pretty instructive as to what Tampa Bay can do on Sunday. What an interesting piece of this is to me um, in terms of the matchup itself. And uh, Dan Orlovsky and Mina Kimes do a great job of describing this, and they will definitely do a better job of describing this than me um, with what they talk about on NFL Live. But these are two of the most – these are two of the teams in the league that use motion the most in the entire NFL. And what's really interesting to me is that you watch, you watch these two teams play, especially on offense and break down the film. They utilize motion in completely different ways. Like you look at what Brady does, like Brady's not at a point where he really needs to use a lot of motion at the time of the snap. He likes to utilize motion in terms of, pre-snap motion where you can really identify what the defense is playing. Like you move a guy over and say, okay, if the guy follows, you're playing man. If not, it's clearly zone coverage, cover two. What the Chiefs do a lot, and I think this is going to really impact the game in terms of defending um, the red zone, because I, I think if you look at the Chiefs, they're one real worry. I think when it comes to the Chiefs offenses, can they take advantage of the red zone? Because you know, they have can make big plays, but, with a little bit of a lack of a running game, and now they have the issues on the offensive line with injuries when it comes to Eric Fisher being out. They use a lot of motion at the time of the snap to really cause confusion, create misdirection, and take attention away from where they're trying to direct their attention on offense. To me, I think advantage in this regard probably should go towards Tampa Bay because now you can – look back at the film from what happened week 12. And I'm not a huge believer in really like when a team plays in the regular season has any indication of what's going to happen the next time around. But when you look at what Kansas City does, their motion really dictates what type of offense they're going to be in because that's where a lot of their misdirection happens. They like to get people in motion to start like get Hardman moving. So he's at a head of steam already. It's tough to stop. But when you've seen that already, you can you can kind of read it and you can kind of understand where it's coming from. For Tampa Bay, they utilize it a lot just to get give Tom Brady time to make reads and make adjustments at the time of the snap, which there's no one better in the NFL in doing. And I, I think it's something that's going to be interesting to watch out for because I think one way that the Chiefs really take advantage and win this game 
is the different types of motion we're going to see from Andy Reid. And if he's able to utilize different types of motion at the time of the snap, that's going to be a big problem for this Bucs defense because the Bucs defend the middle of the field really well. But when you get the ball in the hands of their playmakers, like Tyreek Hill, like McCall Hardman, like guys who can really freaking run, which the Chiefs have, that's going to be the biggest issue for Tampa Bay. And we saw it in week 12. I mean, Hill shredded them. I mean, he went for over 200 yards in the first quarter. He was at 218 at halftime. Like, that is going to be the biggest issue and the biggest question going forward. Whereas for Tampa Bay, it's I think Kansas City has done a really good job disguising their packages. Can the Bucs expose that on offense? And can they use their pre-snap motion to really get a read and allow Tom Brady to make the adjustments at the line that are necessary and make big plays when they need them. Because Bruce Arians is going to have to pick his spots in this game. Because like we talked about, this is not a team that loves to throw the ball downfield. But if Arians can pick his spots in the right ways and Brady can also make those adjustments pre-snap, I think that's going to make this a really interesting game to watch and really fun to watch it all unfold. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point because there's a lot of really interesting chess matches within this game. I'll start with the Kansas City offense and I agree with your point about teams playing in the regular season what it does in the postseason there's a lot you can throw out there but looking at what the Bucks did against the Chiefs in that game was they, they were playing Tyree kill a lot of one-on-one that didn't work okay don't do that again mm-hmm. um the Buccaneers like to blitz. never do that any, yeah. anyways never do ever, not please <laughs> do not absolutely yes. not you're gonna lose but the Buccaneers like to blitz a lot. We know that with Todd Bowles. Um, that's not going to work either. They did that some earlier in the game against the Chiefs. They did that less as the game goes on. I, I don't think they're going to be doing a lot besides rushing three or four in this game um, because I think they're sensing some opportunities with this Chiefs offensive line, as you mentioned. So now the question becomes, in addition to you know stopping this passing game in the macro, in the micro, you have to stop Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And I actually went back to the Super Bowl last year and what the 49ers did, which I kind of liked a lot. And, you know, I thought for 52 minutes of that game, they did a great job against Hill and Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And then there was obviously one very notable exception where Tyreek Hill got open deep, changed the whole game, they can complete a deep pass, and then the Chiefs come back and win. So what the Bucks will do, I think, is they'll probably run mostly zone, at least when it comes to those guys. They might run some man underneath, but I think for the most part, you're going to be looking at zone for the Buccaneers. Now, there's going to be opportunities there for uh, Kansas City, but what they have to do is take those two out of the game, right? If Sammy Watkins mm-hmm. beats you, so be it. And Sammy Watkins if you take out that big play from Hill last year was the leading receiver for the chiefs in the super bowl last year. So mm-hmm. if you take that away, like if they run a bracket on Tyree kill where, you know, zone underneath zone over the top, and he doesn't have a ton of room to run and they do the same on Travis Kelsey, which is again, easier said than done. Like he's a guy who's just going to get his, mm-hmm. um, I think they've got a much better chance. Now, the other interesting thing that I'm going to be looking for in this game is how does the Chiefs offense come out in terms of how quickly is Patrick Mahomes getting the ball out of his hands? Because we were talking about the offensive line 
before. And what I think the Chiefs have done a better job of this year as opposed to last year is there's a lot more quick throws in this offense. They'll run an RPO, maybe a quick throw to Kelsey or a quick throw to Hill outside. Mm -hmm. They're getting the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. I don't have the numbers to back it up, but it just seems quicker. So I think that's something that they can utilize as well. Because remember last week when – or two weeks ago, I should say, when the Buccaneers played the Packers – as that game wore on, they were kind of teeing off on Aaron Rodgers. And you remember he had the open space on the third and 10 down in the red zone and didn't take it through across his body. Instead, they knew that he was kind of a stationary target. Obviously Patrick Mahomes is not that he's going to get outside the pocket if he has the opportunity. So mm-hmm. do the chiefs incorporate some quick throws to get it out of his hands to neutralize the fact that they're going to be without either of their outside tackles that I think remains to be seen. Um, that might come at the expense of some of the bigger plays like we saw in week 12, but it might be a better strategy, honestly, with the way the front four for Tampa Bay is playing. So that's something that I'm going to be very interested in for Kansas City to sit there and say, okay, is it going to be quick screens? Like, what's the situation going to be there? Do they get it out of Patrick Mahomes' hands? Is he going outside the pocket or is he just going back, slinging it downfield? I actually have a harder time thinking they're going to come out and just sling it deep like they did in week 12, because Tampa Bay is going to come into this game and say, that is the one thing we can't have happen that happened in week 12 that wound up losing them the game in the final analysis. So I think it'll be a lot of quick throws early and then they'll try to, you know, pull the defense in and then take that shot downfield. And then whether or not they hit it, we'll see. I mean, they went, almost 55 minutes in the Super Bowl last year without hitting a deep ball until uh, Mahomes found Tyree kill. And then we all know the rest is history. So it'll be very interesting to see what the chiefs do, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot more quick throws on their part to get it out of Mahomes' hands and not allow that front four to get home. And that's, what's really interesting too, that you mentioned is that the front four um, is going to have a complete impact on this game and it has to if Tampa Bay wants any chance because you look at what has given the Chiefs trouble in the past and it's when you can get pressure on Mahomes without blitzing and that's something that Todd Bowles is going to have to do and he has done I mean you look at what they did last week not a whole lot of blitz packages they brought him at certain times but there was not a whole lot of blitz package it was can they get pressure with the four-man front and what's really interesting like you mentioned the Bucks get a ton of pressure from the outside. Shaq Barrett, JPP, they gave Green Bay all types of problems. And with Kansas City without Fisher and their other starting off the tackle as well, that's where the pressure is going to have to come from. And, and can Kansas City's offensive line hold up against that four-man pressure? Because they're going to have to if they want to keep Mahomes good in this game. And also, just so that Mahomes doesn't have to be so much outside the pocket the entire time because we we talk a lot about Mahomes' ability to make plays with his legs, and it's one of his best attributes, his ability to create extra time, scramble outside the pocket, and then make a throw with his arm because that's the biggest difference with him is, like, he doesn't have to run. He's not a Josh Allen type where if he gets out of the pocket, he can run and go for 40 yards. He can, but what makes him so dangerous is that you force defensive backs, you force linebackers, have to make decisions where – listen, are we going to give up 10 yards or are we going to give up the risk of me trying to go tackle Mahomes and then him finding Travis Kelsey for a big play with himself outside the pocket? But 
on top of me saying that, I think it is really important, like you said, to get the ball out quickly and let Mahomes get comfortable in the pocket early so he knows he has a sense of trust with that offensive line where he says, all right, I can stand in. I can go try to make a big play when I have to and when you really need to in a spot like this. And then, yeah, and then he goes out and makes those big plays because we know, listen, he's going to get outside the pocket. He's going to see pressure in this game. I, I think we know that. Like, it's really how much Kansas City can limit that said pressure and how much the Chiefs, when they see pressure, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey can go out and find the soft spots in that zone coverage. Because, listen, we if we've learned anything from that first matchup, it's not going to be a whole ton of man-to-man coverage. We may see spots where they try to play one side cover two, one side man coverage, where they try to isolate Tyree Kill in that situation against that zone. But we're not going to see a lot of man-to-man coverage. We know we're going to see zone. And one of the best things Travis Kelsey does is finding soft spots in that zone. So we'll see if he can take advantage of it. But there's just so many storylines for this game. We can get into all of them. We kind of have gotten into a good amount of them. But it is time for our picks. And I, I'm going to start with you, Jimmy, because um, I, I, I've known where I'm going with this for a while. Um, I've kind of come a little back on it since seeing the health issues for Kansas City on the offensive line. Um, which gives you an idea of where I'm going with my pick. But, Jimmy, who's winning on Sunday? So there is one more matchup I, I want to mention. Absolutely. I yeah. um, haven't talked a ton about the Tampa Bay offense, which is, I think, interesting, um, given how you kind of look at this team uh, when they bring in Tom Brady. And we're, we're spending most of the time, and I think rightfully so, talking about the defense. But you look at this Tampa Bay offense, and they have not run the ball particularly well this year um i'd be interested to run the numbers if you take out the ronald jones 98 yard run at carolina and see how much worse it would be but that was one of their only good you know running plays of the year they have not broken off those big runs we talk about the chiefs it's the same thing with the buccaneers what's interesting to me is that when we talked about bruce arians and changing the game plans a little bit and coming back to what tom brady's more comfortable with um part of the issue right now is that Tom Brady has these bouts of inaccuracy, which I guess you just expect when you're 43 years old and you're not um, Mm -hmm. playing maybe at the same level that you were. That being said, I think part of what Tampa Bay can do in this game, if they're able to maybe run the ball a bit with Ronald Jones or Fournette, whatever the case may be, is keep it out of Kansas City's hands. And I'm not saying, you know, go on these big, long nine, 10 minute drives. That's not going to happen. That's not how the NFL goes nowadays. But I think that is something they could do. Something the 49ers did, I thought, pretty well last year. They had a couple long drives um, that, you know, ended in field goals down in the red zone that, you know, they left some points on the board in that game. I think another guy that we haven't talked about a lot, who I think is going to be a big X factor in this game, is Chris Godwin. They can use him in a lot of different ways. There was a really good analysis I saw where they line him up like as a tight end, basically, in their one receiver set, and then they leak him out. They ran that play really well against Green Bay last week. There's a lot of nice little wrinkles that they have in this offense right now in Tampa Bay. They can go play action. There's a lot of different stuff that Tom Brady can do. It's just a question of whether or not he can hit it. Another thing Tampa Bay can do, and they did this a bit last week, he can get the ball out of his hands pretty quick. There's options there for Tampa Bay if they so choose. So, my pick, and I've gone back and forth on this a lot, um, it is such a fascinating game. 
Tampa Bay and Tom Brady really the only thing standing in the way of a Chiefs dynasty right now. And even if they were to win this game, it'd probably still eventually be a Chiefs dynasty, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Buccaneers 27, Chiefs 21, MVP, wow. MVP Chris Godwin. I think Tom Brady makes enough plays for the Buccaneers. I think they get somewhere in the order of three or four sacks on Patrick Mahomes. Their defense makes enough plays. Tampa Bay pulls the upset. Wow. That is interesting. I, I was it. expecting it. I was not expecting it. I'm not going to lie. I, I Listen, I you know I'm a fan of the underdog pick always. You got to love it. Um, I mean, who isn't? Unfortunately, when the underdog is Tom Brady, I can't get behind it. But here's where I'm at with this game and have been for about two weeks. It's crazy to ever pick against Tom Brady. But you got to be a raging lunatic to pick against Patrick Mahomes. Which, Jimmy, you may end up being. But I can't pick against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in this game. Um, I like the Chiefs 31-21. Um, I just think that you look at Kansas City and you look at how explosive they are on offense. And the real issue for me with the Bucks was they won a lot of their games this year and a lot of you look at their two postseason games recently against New Orleans and Green Bay based off of mistakes that New Orleans made and Green Bay made now that is due to Drew Brees just being a noodle arm at this point and because of decisions by Matt LaFleur that didn't go his way and also the way that game was incredibly horribly officiated um, that's where the Bucks won a lot of these games for me I look at Kansas City, I see a team that's not going to make those mistakes. And I could be wrong. I definitely could be wrong. Tom Brady has some sort of magic that brings it out where really big-time players, Hall of Fame-level players, seem to lower the bar against them. However, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is the type to do that. Um, So I'm taking the Chiefs. I I think that my biggest struggle with this game in terms of finding a way Tampa Bay wins is I just don't know if Todd Bowles can find a way to create a game plan to stop Patrick Mahomes without blitzing. And I think that's an impossible task to do. And by impossible task, I mean you can't blitz Patrick Mahomes and stop him, which is Bowles' specialty. So, listen, they're going to have to get pressure with that four-man rush. I can see that happening, but... With Mahomes' legs and his ability to throw the ball downfield and get it out quickly also, um, which are probably the three most attributes for a quarterback, along with his decision-making, I just can't see the Chiefs losing this game. So I'm taking them 31-21, taking them to cover. Um, before we wrap this up, Jimmy, I want to hear your favorite prop bet from the Super Bowl. Because if there's anything that you take away from the Super Bowl, it's, it's a gambler's dream, to be honest. And there's so many funny ones. I mean... The coin toss, the national anthem, the first commercial. What's your favorite prop bet? Or I'll, I'll change it. What's your favorite tradition each Super Bowl? So it's funny you bring it up because this year I'm actually covering the Knicks game on Sunday for FUV. Uh-huh. So I have figured out the train schedule that will get me back to my couch by about 6 o'clock, which okay. is good enough for everybody. Um, there's a couple I really love. National anthem over under. I love uh, taking the over this year. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that uh, it's a duet, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it hitting two minutes, and there's probably going to be a couple extra flourishes. Um, the other prop bet that I enjoy, 
that has been more of a recent thing for me is what color Gatorade bath are we looking at? <laughs> Um, because I, I've always beseeched teams to just like mix it up and go with Mountain Cooler or something like that. Um, will it be green? Will it be red? Will it be something we're not expecting? That's something uh, I really enjoy. First commercial, I think this year has taken a bit of a hit because some of the bigger companies are not actually advertising during the Super Bowl this year. So I'll be interested to see what that looks like. Um, there are other funny prop bets I saw, like, will they show the president, like, during the game? And I was like, I didn't even know he was going to be there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of different stuff that, to me, I was like, this is real. And then the worst one I saw, though, by far the worst one, over under how many players missed the game due to COVID. I was like, I couldn't believe that that was a prop bet. Yeah. Um, but those were some of the ones that I liked. But National Anthem... As soon as it starts, I pull the timer out. Um, and two years ago, Gladys Knight did the anthem in Atlanta, and she put a little extra on it at the end to hit the over. And I said, that is heroic right there. <laughs> and I've been a fan of Gladys Knight ever since. So. Listen, I remember last year, was it Demi Lovato who did yes. the anthem? And she, she breezed through it. And it, yeah. it, it was an issue for the bank account. But um, Wasn't yeah, an issue for me. I, I, I had the under, so. I, I think the national anthem over is always fun. I will say, though, I, sometimes you have to do some prep, though, because I saw Demi Lovato had done the anthem before one of the Mets World Series games. She hit the under then, and she hit the under at the Super Bowl as well. So yeah, I you got to put the work in. Correct. I will say this. There may not be a bigger lock ever than the coin toss going tails. <laughs> that, that, has be, that has to be the lock every single year. Is that listen? If you take heads, I feel bad. For you. That that's where I'm at. If you take the coin toss going heads, reevaluate everything because it's it's a, the tails has to. The tails never fails. There, there's a quote for a reason, and when there's a quote, you stand by it. So, coin toss tails is probably my favorite prop bet. Um, the first weekend song at. At halftime is an interesting one. I only really know one or two of the weekend songs. They're both bangers, but like, I don't know enough to make a judgment there. And they always put that stuff in a colossal order that no one understands. But um, yeah, I, I think Coin Toss Tales has to be my favorite one. That is crazy that there was a prop bet about how many players will miss this game because of COVID. That is bizarre, but um, it should be a fun game. Um, I, I hope for everyone's sake that you take care of your money because even if you don't gamble on a book or anything, which is illegal in New York, obviously, but um, there's a lot of side bets with your friends and stuff. So be safe and be smart, but most importantly, enjoy the game folks. And we just want to thank you. Um, we will obviously have our Super Bowl recap next week, but um, we want, just want to thank all of our listeners for what's been a great season on NFL Friday. We really appreciate you all tuning in and, we're not done, that's for sure, but um, this is probably one of the last few episodes before we really get into the offseason um, and look at things from that perspective. So, from Jimmy Sullivan, I'm Jackson Heil, Super Bowl preview edition of NFL Friday, and when we next talk, we'll have an NFL champion. And, whether it's and I'll be a raging lunatic. <laughs> and Jamie might be a raging lunatic. I might be crazy for betting against Tom Brady, but... Um, Either way, we will have a result when we come back. And 
Thanks again for listening. NFL Friday is a production of WFM Sports.